Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you, Brother Cornell. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. Some of you didn't know what to do today. (laughs) But hopefully by the end of this message, we will crescendo. Isaiah 58, verse 6. Thank you, Sister Matson and choir, for all that you did to prepare for this message that you just sang, singing message. I want to thank, while you're turning there, Isaiah 58 and 6, I want to thank all of you over the last two and a half weeks who have fasted one meal, many meals, days, maybe even a week. I know that during that time it's difficult, not just because you're hungry, but you stir up things in the spiritual realm when you fast. And things get stirred up in you that maybe you didn't even know were there and you had to deal with it, and that's a good thing. So today I'm gonna give you an explanation and preach about a breakthrough. Isaiah 58 and six, the Lord said, is not this the fast that I have chosen? Here's what I want to accomplish. I will loose the bands of wickedness. I will undo the heavy burdens. I will let the oppressed go free. I will break every yoke. And you, is it not for you to deal your bread to the hungry, to bring the poor that are cast out to your house? Is it not for when you see the naked to cover him and will you not hide thine own self from your own flesh? You're gonna have to deal with yourself. But watch what goes beyond even all those benefits. Then shall thy light break forth, break forth as the morning. And your health, you're gonna be healthier after a fast. Your health will spring forth speedily. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. And then one last thing. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry and he will say, here I am. Some of you have wondered where God is. Fasting and prayer will help you locate him. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I pray today before this congregation is seated that they will be at attention for the word of the Lord today. I pray that you will deliver them from fear, worry, anxiety, apathy, discouragement, oppression. Defeat these spirits that come against them and give them faith, peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Give them a spirit of victory that causes them to shine brightly and to enjoy your presence every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. 
I might get to preach till close to 12.30 today. Because it says 12 o'clock. But you know it's only 11. When I break through, God breaks forth. That's the title of my message today. When I break through, God breaks forth. I don't want to go to a church where they have dead, dull, boring worship services. Where people have their hands in their pockets, their head is somewhere else, they look like they're bored out of their mind, the message is DDB as well. I don't want to be a part of that. I want something that's alive. I want something that's exciting. I want something that's transforming my life. I want to be encouraged. I want to be helped. I want to be blessed so that when I leave, I can give all that I received to somebody else. Because that's how the river is meant to flow through your life. And I'm going to talk to you about some people that broke through today. I want to talk to you, first of all, about a man by the name of Joshua, who followed one of the greatest leaders of all of Israel, Moses. Moses led the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. He delivered them from Egypt. God used him mightily. He was probably the greatest leader that Israel ever had. Greatest. How would you like to follow a guy like that? How would your, like your name to come up next? Well, that's what happened to Joshua. And if you were in Joshua's shoes, I'm sure that you were just a little bit intimidated about how the people were going to receive you after their great leader had died. Joshua, what have you ever done compared to Moses? There's very little said about Joshua during the 40 years of him serving under Moses. Very little said about him. Except that he was Moses' minister. That means that whatever Moses asked for, Joshua got it. And you know, I really admire a man like Joshua. He could have been the one that said, you know, Moses, if y'all would have listened to me, we wouldn't have had to go into the wilderness. I told you, but he never did that. He never did that. He was a humble servant. And God handpicked him to be the next leader. And when they came to the Jordan River, he opened the river for Joshua, just like he had opened the Red Sea for Moses. Joshua was one of the greatest leaders in all of Israel. And God knew that he had to give Joshua a quick victory to begin his ministry. So you know what he did? He said, when you go into this land of Canaan and you conquer these cities and you take them over, I will be the one that leads you and my people. And you know where he took Joshua first? He took him to Jericho, the most fortified city in all of Canaan. Walls that were so thick the chariot races were held on the tops of these walls. These people felt so secure. They, this was an impregnable city. No way can this city ever be taken. And yet, God says, Joshua, take the children 
to Jericho. I'm going to give you this city. And God speaks to Joshua and says, and here's my battle plan. And rather than read all of it to you today, I'm gonna talk you through it. He said, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the people led by the priests and their ram's horns. They can play their ram's horns, but I don't want one person to speak while you march around the city one time per day for six days. Now I'm gonna try and give you a picture of what I think that might have been like. Here are the children of Israel marching around a fortified city where people feel totally secure and hate the Israelites. They are throwing down their slurs, maybe spitting over the wall, maybe throwing their dishwater over the wall, or maybe some other things, rotten tomatoes or whatever. While the children of Israel are marching by, they are mocking them the entire time, and they are not allowed to say one thing. Not allowed to do one thing for six days. And on the seventh day, as they marched around it the seventh time, Joshua said, when I shout, you shout, and the walls will fall flat. I have to admit, in my human reasoning, I do not understand this plan. I don't think that General Patton, Montgomery, or Rommel would go along with this plan for conquering Jericho. But you see, God asks us to do little things so that it becomes plain to us that when the victory comes, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm the one that's gonna fight this battle. I'm the one that's gonna bring you the victory. You just do what I ask you to do. You don't have to understand. You just have to be obedient. And when Joshua shouted on the seventh time, the walls fell flat because Israel had broken through and God now broke forth. When I break through, God breaks forth. Let me give you another example of an Old Testament man of God. Judges chapter six, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, meaning Gideon. And he said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor, he's hiding behind the barn. He's trying to hide crops. Doesn't look like a mighty man of valor to me. Well, let me tell you this. God sees in you what not even you see in you. Some may see a shepherd boy, but God can see a king. Some may see a hot-headed fisherman, but God sees a Peter. And in this case, he calls Gideon by what he sees him as, not as what Gideon sees himself as. You're in this church today because God saw the potential in you 
And God knew what he could make out of your life if you would only yield to him. And when you broke through your own flesh and you broke through all of your mistakes and errors and came to an altar and began to pray and break down, you were really breaking through. And God came with his mercy and forgave your sins. And God came and filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you became something that you never thought that you could be. Because when you broke through in repentance, God broke through with his spirit and empowered you. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all of this befallen us? Why do we have all these problems? I mean, hey, we should be the blessed ones, the protected ones, the anointed ones. Why do you let these enemies come and take our stuff? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us of? Where are they? I haven't seen a miracle in a while. Miracles are taking place every day. And you, and you know what, you, I want you to be Gideon here. That's the point of why I'm telling you this story. I want you to be Gideon because you think the same way he thinks. Well, I'm nobody special. Well, how could you call me a mighty man of God or a mighty man of valor? And, and, and if really you care so much about your people, how come I got these problems in my life? And then where are the miracles and the, and the signs and the wonders? How come whenever I lay my hand on somebody's head, they don't instantly receive a miracle? Well, I've heard that there have been a few other miracles in the church or in other churches, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Where are the miracles? And you know what God was saying? I'm about to show you one. I'm gonna show you one. And you're gonna get to be a part of it. If you just do what I tell you to do, will somebody preach with me today? Your part in a miracle is breaking through your unbelief and your excuses and your disappointments and your wanderings. You gotta break through that and say, if this is what the word of God says, if this is what God has asked me to do, then I'm gonna break through all that stuff so that God can come forth and do what only God can do. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, Gideon, you tell them that I'm gonna wipe out the Midianites, but I want an army. So Gideon stands up before Israel and he says, well, I don't know if you're gonna believe me or not, but God appeared to me and said that He's going to give us the victory over the Midianites. They're one million people. And he said that we were supposed to put an army together and he was going to anoint the army and we were going to beat them. And we were going to take back everything they took from us. And then we're going to take everything they got. Now, how many of you will join me? 32,000 men. Well, all right, Gideon. We'll join you. 32,000 men. So they begin to go on their journey and they're gonna go and face the Midianites. And God speaks to Gideon and says, stop, Gideon. 
You got too many men. Too many men? Lord, there's one million of them. There's 32,000 of us. How can that be too many? It's too many, Gideon. I don't want the people thinking that they did it by their strength or their fighting ability. I want them to know that I gave them the victory. So you stand before them again and you tell them what I say for you to say. Gideon stands up and said, hear the word of the Lord. God just said, if you're afraid, go home. And nobody's gonna call you a coward either. Just, you can go, you're dismissed. If there's any fear in you, go. 22,000 men out of 32,000 were afraid and they went back home. And now he's down to 10,000 and he's wringing his hands. One million compared to 10,000. What have I gotten myself into? I don't see how this is gonna work. 10,000? And he said, Gideon, take him over to the water hole. He takes him over to the water hole. He said, tell them they can have a break. They can drink as much as they want. So Gideon yells out, break time. Get all you want. And people start diving into the water, splashing around, drinking all they can, having water fights. And God speaks to Gideon again. He said, Gideon, do you see that some men, although they all know they're in enemy territory, there are some men that are kneeling down on one knee with their head up, holding their weapon in one hand and lapping water with the other to get a drink, but they are on guard for the enemy. Those men stay. The rest of them, send them home. And 9,700 men out of 10,000 went back home and only 300 remained. Gideon is beside himself. How are we ever gonna defeat one million people with 300 men? I didn't know how we were gonna do it with 32,000, but now we're down to 300. How are we gonna do it? And God said, all right, here's my plan. Here's 300 trumpets, here's 300 pitchers, and here's 300 torches. Take your 300 men, your enemy is in the valley, spread them out all the way around the valley. And then you light your torches, you break your pitchers, and you blow your trumpets. That's it? That's the plan? That's the plan. And and if you just do what I tell you, Gideon, I'll take it from there. I had a good learning experience the other day. Brother Dredska said something to me. He said, I I, I don't know why I had brought some subject up and I said, well, you know what, Brother Dredska, I got this. I, I can handle this. He said, you know what I've learned about what people say that? I got this. What they're saying is, I can do this by myself and I don't need anybody else's help. That's what I got this means. I'm real careful about saying that anymore. 
Are you hearing me? Because we have a tendency to think, I got this. I can handle this. Go help somebody else that's got a greater problem. I need God in everything. Everything. And, and poor Gideon is beside himself, but you know what he does? He does the little thing that he can do. And he yells out when he blows the trumpet, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon is upon you. And they see these torches and they hear these trumpets and the Midianites panic and they begin to kill each other. And most all of them are destroyed by their own people. And the few that escape, Gideon and his 300 chase them down and kill them, take all their stuff back and take everything the Midianites got because, here it is, here's the point. Gideon broke through the numbers game. Lord, I don't have enough money. Lord, there aren't enough of us at Abundant Life to impact this area. The numbers just aren't there. But if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 2,000? 10,000. What kind of math are you talking about? I'm talking about God's math. I'm talking about how God supplies all of our needs according to his, his riches in glory. Gideon conquered the numbers game. You know, you had to face a numbers game today. Man, I go to church most every Sunday. You know, and I, I know they're gonna, they're gonna sing and I know the pre pastor's gonna get up there and preach and I, to be honest with you, I don't know what to expect, but you know, I'm out of obligation, I'm going, gonna go and I'm gonna put in my time. But I'm telling you folks, when we come to the house of the Lord, we ought to come with a spirit of expectation. This is not gonna be like the service was last week or the week before that or the year before that. We're gonna break through. We're gonna get a hold of God. God's got something to say to me tonight or today and I wanna hear it and I need to be fed so I'm not gonna get caught up. Oh, it's not gonna matter if you miss one service or a few services, pretty soon you don't even realize how many you've missed because you're caught in the numbers game. But Gideon broke through. Let me tell you about this lady in Luke chapter eight and verse number 43. A woman having an issue of blood 12 years. How long do you think in 12 years she prayed for a healing? How many times in 12 years, if you're a woman with an issue of blood, will you pray 
that God heals you. If you were to multiply 365 times 12, and I can't do that in my head, I think it would be reasonable that she asked that many times and nothing happened. 12 years. She spent all of her living upon the physicians. Neither could be healed of any. But one day, as a last resort, as the only hope left, she heard Jesus was in town. Now she knew Jesus was real popular. People would throng around him. Sick people and demonic people. People that had needs were always trying to get something or grab something from him. Maybe she felt like she was just like everybody else, but she was so desperate. She didn't have any money left. The doctors had written her off. You're always going to be this way. And she saw one opportunity. She came behind him and touched the hem of his garment and immediately her issue of blood was healed. It dried up. It stopped. I wonder what she had to go through to get that close to Jesus. I wonder how many people, how thick the crowd was when she first saw him. Probably being a woman shorter in stature than most men, she might have even had to climb up on something and see how far away he might be. How easy it would be if you saw a large crowd of people around Jesus to say, there's no way I can ever get to Jesus. There's too many, is anybody gonna preach with me? There's too many obstacles in front of me to be able to get where I need to go. But she became so desperate she needed a breakthrough. She knew that if she was ever to get through Jesus, to Jesus, she was going to have to break through a crowd of people. Maybe she started up to Jesus in the upright position and tried to be as kind as she could. Excuse me, sir. Pardon me, ma'am. But I just have to get to Jesus. Excuse me, pardon me. She shouted it as loud as she could, but when she saw she wasn't making enough progress by being in an upright position, she humbled herself and got on her knees and started crawling through legs because the shoulders were too thick. And by getting down in the most humbling position that a human being could ever get in, maybe with your face right next to the ground, on top of the filthy dirt, crawling through the crowd, she finally made her way to Jesus. And when she got within distance, she lunged at his garment, never even considered an audience. Never said, I want to meet him in person. Never said, I need an autograph. She just said, if I could just get a hold of his garment, if I, if I could just touch him or what touches him. 
I'll be satisfied. And when she grabbed the hem of his garment, instantly a miracle came to her life after all of those prayers. But she had to break through all of the obstacles that were before her. And here's an interesting thing that I saw in preparing this message. Jesus said in verse 45, who touched me? And Peter said, are you kidding? Are you serious? People are bumping and pushing and ramming into you all the time. He did not say, remember this, you gotta, you gotta remember this in the message, okay? Please don't forget this. Jesus did not say, I touched somebody. He said, somebody touched me. Whew. Now that's preaching. We are waiting for God's touch on our lives. Oh, somebody preach with me today. We're waiting for God to touch us and God is waiting for us to touch him. And whatever I have to do, whatever obstacle I have to overcome, no matter how much I have to humble myself, I'm gonna get to Jesus. I'm gonna break through. I'm going to touch him because touching Jesus is all that really matters, then your life will never be the same. There's only one way, only one way to touch him. That's believe when you call on his name. Touching Jesus. Whew. Last example. Acts chapter two. Jesus ascends in front of 500 witnesses. He leaves the earth and literally flies into the air. But before he does, he said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Do not leave until you receive my spirit. Don't leave. Now they heard that. 500 people heard that. Only 120 people even went one day in an upper room. 380 people, I don't have time for that. And they got in that upper room and they were there for a day. Well, I thought this would be the day. He, it's what he told us to do. And then the second day and the third and the fourth came. They were missing paychecks. There was no income coming in because they weren't working. And then the fifth and the sixth day came. Nothing. And finally, they became so desperate and so determined that not only were they in one place, they finally came into one accord. 
Read about it here. This is the seventh day of being in the same room with people. 120 people in one room. The only way you leave is for a bathroom break. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, finally they were with one accord and remained in one place. They broke through their lifestyle. I had plans that week. I had vacation scheduled. My boss expects me to be there at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. People are counting on me. It's in my day timer. How could I possibly spend seven days doing nothing, waiting for a promise? But they did it. Because they were determined that they weren't leaving until they broke through. If I have to stay here seven days or 70, I'm not leaving till I get what I came for. And that attitude is when God broke forth. One place, faithfulness, one place, one accord, unity of spirit. Is anybody preaching with me? We can be in the same place and not be in the same mind. We can be in the same place and not even be there for the same reason. So why do I come to church? I come because I have a date. I have an appointment. God promised, like I read, I read to you in prayer this morning, God promised he'd be in this place. This is the only place that God absolutely promised that his eyes and his ears and his heart would be perpetually was the house of God. Well, God can meet me in my house. No promise, he can. Two or more are gathered, yes, he can. But this is the one place. And that upper room became the house of God. And they were determined that they were gonna break through. And finally, when they broke through all of that, God broke forth. And suddenly, that's the way God does things. You think nothing's happening, and then everything happens. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. God broke forth. Let's stand together. So here's what I'm saying. You got problems. You got fears. You got oppressive spirits coming against your life. You're bored. You're stale. You're stymied. You got to break through. You got to push yourself through whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord. That's what I'll be willing to do. 
I'll trade sunshine for rain. Whatever it takes, that's what I'd be willing to do. Because if I can break through my stuff, God can break forth with his. That's why we always, always invite people to an altar at the end of a service. It's your chance to break through so that God can break forth. And if you have to stay in this room for seven days, if you really want the Holy Ghost, you'll take a week off from work. Work for the 120, and that 120 turned the world upside down. 120? You talk about a numbers game? What are 120 going to do? Half of the entire Christian, half of the entire world were Christians by 180 or 100 AD because somebody broke through. And God broke forth. So when you come to this altar today, don't curtsy. You come and say, like Jacob, I will not let you go except thou bless me. And he broke through his fear and God empowered him and gave him power with God, changed his name changed his name and said, you're not Jacob anymore. You're going to be Israel because you broke through. And I'm going to break forth power with God and power with men. That's what Jacob means. Jesus, I pray today that there are people that are here that are tired of being the way that they've been tired of struggling with the same problems day after day, week after week, unhappy with the norm, the average, the stale, the apathetic, oppressive spirit that the enemy would bring. Help them, Lord, to come to this altar and say, I'm not leaving here until I'm endued with power from on high. I'm not leaving here till I have the victory. I'm going to break through because I know... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.